Okay, friends, it's festival and concert season, and you know it's all about the boots this year. That's why you need to make Tacova's your number one place for festival style this spring. And don't forget to shop their seasonal and limited edition offerings, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. We love Tacova's. They have a first wear comfort, which basically means there's no break in period. It's the best thing ever. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, and shop new styles. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personal. Personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's really no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it to a store, though, just visit tecovas.com, T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, hello. Welcome back to For the Girls. We're joining you today from Sarah's apartment in New York City, where we're all in separate rooms. Sarah's in the living room, Tiggy's in the dining room, and I'm in the bedroom. So we're trying to make the sound as good as we can for you guys. <laughs> and also, we are fresh off a an awesome birthday for Chessa, whose birthday was on Friday this weekend. So happy birthday, Chessa. She had such a fun party last night in this kind of basement speakeasy that is has these windows through to a subway. Hard to explain, but very cool. Very claustrophobic. <laughs> um, well, this was a very b- nice birthday weekend for me because we got to have an amazing weekend at Imalai as well, looking at all of the amazing racing. So with that, we'll jump right into what you need to know about what happened this weekend at Imola. Okay, so starting with our main takeaways from the weekend. So for me, I think disappointing home race for Ferrari, and we'll get into all the details around that. First Red Bull 1-2 finish since 2016, which is crazy. But I think overall, as sad as I am about Ferrari this weekend, I think these results were necessary to set up for a more exciting and contentious season. So I'm excited for what's to come this year. And for me, I was very happy. Red Bull is back, baby. Um, I think this really showed Max is just so used to driving under pressure from the championship last year and I think that is on full display here just kind of how calm cool and collected the Red Bull drivers are and there were some unforced driver errors from both Ferrari drivers over the course of the weekend and obviously Checo is also just so reliable so good at surging through the field like he did during the sprint so it was an incredible performance from both of them and I'm so happy that The car didn't break, so it was great. So my main takeaway from this weekend was the rain. I think the rain really threw a wrench into everything and had all of the teams on their toes. Um, I love when a race requires a little bit more strategy. So with the rain, it's it's all about timing, watching the weather radar, thinking about the tire strategy. Um, So that's obviously really interesting to see all the teams, how they're going to deal with that. And also, fun fact, when it's raining, they don't have DRS enabled just for safety reasons. So especially on a track like this weekend where it's really hard to overtake, the rain made things very complicated. There was a bunch of yellow flags, red flags, safety cars out the wazoo. So there was a lot going on this weekend for sure. Let's go through how our hot take predictions held up. So mine was pretty good manifestation. I said both both Red Bulls on the podium, which happened. Very exciting. I also threw in Botas and Alonso in the points. And Botas was up there in P5, which I'm also so excited about. He really deserves this. And it's great to see him thriving at Alfa Romeo. But I also had Alonso in the points and he sadly retired. How about you, Tiggy? 
Unfortunately, I did not manifest as well as you did. <laughs> um, I had Carlos finishing ahead of Charles, um, but as we'll get into all the details here, Carlos retired on the first turn of the first lap. Really tough weekend for him. I think sort of a mix of small mistakes and quali that had big consequences as well as just sheer bad luck. But good to see him pick off six cars in the sprint to go from 10th to starting fourth for the race. But unfortunately, it was all for nothing this time. Sad. My predictions also did not fare well. I was like, Mercedes redemption race, and we had a <laughs> weekend for them. Although I will say, I think Russell really carried the team on his back, so we'll get into that as well. MVPs of the race. I think my MVP was Yuki. He had a pretty beautiful race, so I was excited for him there. He had, yeah. yeah, he had a great drive. Awesome racing from him. For me, I think similarly, George Russell had a really great drive. I would say obviously a great drive from Max as well, but he just had to finish the job, uh, you know, from the front without a lot of contention. So I would say George, you know, he he made up a ton of positions during the race. Pretty pretty great overall and obviously the car itself is not that great given what we saw with Hamilton um so definitely him for me yeah I was really impressed by George's driving but I'm gonna have to go with Checo as we said first Red Bull won two since 2016 and Checo just did such a great job after a tough quality he had really bad luck with the rain um and made up a lot of positions in the sprint they came out on the podium arm in arm together which was very tender so very I'm sweet. gonna go with Checo and for our least valuable players our LVPs of the week. Um, I'm going to have to go with Daniel Ricardo. Just his mistake on the first turn of the first lap costing Carlos the entire race really just, you know, tears at my heartstrings and I'm mad at him for that. <laughs> I second that. Danny is my LVP this weekend. I do, I agree with the Danny take because even though it was classified as, as a racing incident by the stewards. I do think it was his fault. Carlos was leaving space. But I'm going to go with Mick because I'm definitely a fan of him, but he's got to step his game up. He's the only driver with no points. He's kind of driving as if it's like Haas last year when obviously the car is so much better and, and K-Mag's been showing that. So hopefully he can turn it around soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. I think we'll just hit the biggest headline this week before we get into it. Biggest headline is Carlos signs his contract renewal with Ferrari. Despite the tough weekend, he had really great news this week. He's got two more years with Ferrari through 2024, which is reportedly the same as Charles now, um, although there are some questions around is he going to 2026 but I think this just makes it a little bit more of an even playing field even if just mentally for the two of them he mentioned stability being pretty key to the decision yeah drivers have talked about how having just a one-year deal is really hard on them so getting two years is huge Botas talked about after leaving Mercedes last year he had only ever had one year deals with Mercedes and he said that was really tough for him in terms of the pressure because always focused on survival and and holding on to your seat and so that that's that's really impressive and just shows how invested the team is is in him that he's able to get two years it's yeah. kind of like politics in a way where you have to be campaigning the second you like get into office for the next go around or the next election <laughs> that's it's so like true <laughs> almost similar here yeah, like the the talks for this contract extension started well before the end of the season last year. So if you're listening to the podcast, you know how much we love Carlos, but I think Ferrari also obviously loves him a lot. He's a really talented and consistent driver. He held the driver record in 2021 for most consecutive point finishes. That was 15 races. And he also had the best worst finish of any driver, so 11th place. He 
sadly though holds the unfortunate record of most points without a win but I feel like this year he's really we're really gunning for him right Tiggy (laughs) totally and also one thing that's a little less stats focused but he and Charles get along really well which I think Ferrari loves to see I know Charles and old teammate Sebastian Vettel had a little bit of friction in their relationship and Charles was really vocal with his support this week which was awesome and really great to see yeah, he said he was excited to play more paddle tennis and chess <laughs> with Carlos. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah, so he went into Imola on a strong note with the combination of that news and a new engine, which they replaced um, just to be safe after his Australia DNF. But unfortunately, as we said, all for nothing for now. Let's jump into FP1 free practice on Friday. The There were crazy conditions with a ton of rain and a super wet track. So that basically means people are sliding and spinning out all over the place. And visibility is super low because the drive, the cars are causing like all of the spray of the water coming off the track. So it's super hard and that kind of led to a really big spread in all of the lap times. I think key takeaway from FP1, Ferrari dominated in the really tough conditions, but it was still pretty tough for them. So Leclerc finished the practice session on top, but not without struggle. He spun out like four times. He had one insane save where he lost the rear and his car spun a, basically a full 180. So essentially facing backwards. And instead of continuing the spin, he managed to somehow wrench it back forwards without stopping and just kept driving. Signs and Verstappen were also looking good. Mercedes was not looking good, really struggling with porpoising. Um, their porpoising was so bad that his floor stay broke on Russell's car. So definitely some foreshadowing. For sure. And so as we got into qualifying that afternoon, um, so as just a reminder, the person who won qualifying gets the pole position accolade and the rest of the results sort of set the grid for the sprint on Saturday. Five red flags with three in Q3, so really chaotic and just took forever. And the weather was also pretty tough. Yeah, I think the weather being so bad was a big part of why the qualifying results were a bit unusual compared to what we'd usually see and why the pace differences were also so big because in some parts of qualifying some drivers just couldn't even get uh, a lap time in so to walk through the main highlights in q1 albin had a rear brake catch on fire and lost a brake pedal and had an explosion that called a red caused a red flag and a similar thing happened to latifi earlier on in the season so williams's struggles kind of continue both mercedes cars barely made it into q2 Um, They both made it on their last flying lap attempts after the clock had already ticked down till zero. And Lewis on the radio was like, how far off are we? That's crazy. Are we through? He only made it by four thousandths. So that has got to be so stressful for him. Like, I know I can't imagine last year to like not even being able to like make it to Q3. It's such a different mental headspace. I can't even imagine like last year he was just all focusing on probably trying to take notes on the track to get ready for Q3 or just probably approaching it with such a different mindset. And now for him, it's literally about survival, like trying to make it into Q2. out there surviving. He can't make it. Um, Q2 was also pretty crazy. Drivers were scrambling to get in one good lap time before the rain. And sadly, sadly, Sainz had a little crash. He hit the wall. Um, It was just really bad timing. He made a small mistake that caused him to spin out and lose the rear. 
Um, and he's so nice. He was just apologizing to the mechanics over and over again because obviously they had a long night ahead of them trying to fix up the things that he he broke. So when it started raining again, there was still 10 minutes left in the session, but just no chance for, for the bottom five cars to get a lap in because it was raining too much. So Lewis was literally out of the car while Q2 was still running. Going into Q3, the announcer was like, we're going to have a funky time because the rain was just really off and on and hard to figure out. But the crowd was still looked like they were having an awesome time. So we love Italians. Shout out yes, to Chessa and the Saki <laughs> family. So the track dried a bit. Um, K-Mag went off at Aqua Minerale. There's been a lot of issues at that corner. Then there was a red flag because Botas also went off with only three minutes to go. Max was on a really good lap and got provisional pole even though he had to lift off and slow down under the yellow flags, which thankfully he did. I was worried for a second. So everyone only had three minutes left to get one flying lap in. Then they went back out after the red flag. The track seemed worse. It was soaking. Lando went off again at Aqua Minerale before anyone could set a lap time. Red flag, session over. So Max got pole. I think one thing that was fun was after they pulled in, Charles showed up to the interview, the post-quality interview, and started answering in fluent Italian. I didn't even know he spoke Italian. He's a true Renaissance man. Truly. (laughs) Yeah. And interestingly, it was the first time in 10 years that both Mercedes cars have failed to reach Q3 announcers. Oh my gosh. We're literally calling Mercedes a midfield team, a real fall (laughs) from grace. Um, P11 for Russell and P13 for Hamilton. Really bad porpoising all weekend. Um, The sprint grid. Bit chaotic because of the rain, but we have Max, P1, then Charles, Lando, K-Mag, Alonso, and Danny Rick. I love that. So FP2 the next day was a little bit of a shuffle of the previous day's results. Everyone was driving like if they were driving really well the day before, they weren't so great um, during FP2, etc. Um, George Russell had had the fastest or was looking the fastest there. So it was a little bit all over the place. One thing to note, I know I have been kind of advocating for the sprint races, now I'm a little less sure about them after this weekend. Max was saying how he doesn't really like sprint races. None of the drivers seem to like them that much. Commentators definitely don't like them. It does seem like it takes away a little bit from what could have happened on Sunday when so much already has happened in the sprint on on Saturday. So it kind of takes away some of the chances for the Sunday grid to be more exciting. Yeah. And it's almost just, to me, it seems kind of like a points grab, putting cars at risk for getting wrecked in something that's like really not that consequential I don't know I, right. I'm also not a huge fan of the sprint races even though I'm it is kind, kind of, of turning I'm turning off them a bit yeah it's not fun it's not fun to watch a race if people aren't really going to go balls to the wall and try to and try to do it and they're just trying to save themselves for the next day so ladies it looks like our our thoughts on sprint races might change throughout the season everyone keep posted I will say, though, in the defense of sprint races, I do think they really push more than you – they do take risks even though they might wreck themselves out of the race. And we kind of saw this at – Right right at the start, Max struggled with shifting gears off the line, and Leclerc pulled ahead. He had an awesome start. Science started making up places immediately. The All the Italian fans were freaking out, obviously. The so crowd was, was wild. Wild. Yeah, so there was still some action right off the line. Quick TLDRs from, from the sprint race. There was a lot of really good battles throughout the sprint, and the commentators were absolutely loving it. We're going to give you a little sampling of some of the, the best highlights here. They were talking a lot about the Spanish battle between Sainz and Alonso, which was very cool. 
And then there was a bit of a tender moment where Mick and Vettel were, were battling it out. And they were saying, oh, the old master, the teacher Vettel versus the apprentice Schumacher. Because for those who can remember, Michael Schumacher, Mick's dad, was racing at the same time as Vettel. And for, for Mick, Vettel's kind of like an icon or an idol. So it was very interesting to see them battle it out. And then lastly, just Signs and Lando had a little moment too. And they were like, oh, they're really <laughs> testing the bromance there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a couple really great drives. So Checo did incredible classic Checo drive from P7 to P3. Carlos, very similar from P10 to P4. And at the end, we saw a nice little Max versus Charles battle, um, which is always fun to see. It's crazy, though. Sadly for Haas, after the best ever qualifying, K-Mag just wasn't able to keep his positions. He got warned for weaving at one point. There was so much weaving during the sprint. K-Mag started in mediums and everyone else was on soft. So again, Haas probably picking the wrong strategy. So that was a bit <laughs> unfortunate. Sad. So yeah, the results, Max P1, Charles P2, then Checo, Carlos, Lando, Danny, Botas and Magnuson. So that gave us the first handful for the grid for the race. So should we get into how it went? We all need a little extra health booth sometimes, and Fleur Marche makes it easy for us to supercharge our wellness. Their botanical wellness patches have been such a fun addition to our routine. We just stick them on wherever we want. They have them for sleep, relaxation, focus, and other things. And the patch delivers ingredients to your body in a subtle but effective way, and the results last up to 12 hours. Fleur Marche also has botanical gummies and their new organic nutritional powder, Green Machine. They only use the best ingredients and are tested for potency, contaminants, and heavy metals before and after production. And one of our favorite things, we also love that the company is founded and inspired by women with the mission of helping us feel 100% every single day so that we can have full energy and crush it every day. Find your new wellness essentials at fleurmarche.com and get a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your first order site-wide with promo code for the girls at checkout. Orders over $50 also get free shipping. Go to fleurmarche, F-L-E-U-R-M-A-R-C-H-E.com. Use code for the girls for 20% off your first order. Women's health is so important and balanced hormones are key for that. We've been loving Hormone Harmony from Happy Mammoth, who's committed to making women's lives easier. Hormone Harmony contains adaptogens, science-backed herbal extracts that help the body adapt to stressors like hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. We love it because it helps us maintain optimal hormone levels and supports our mood and general well-being. There is a reason that one bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off on your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use code F1R the girls at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code F1R the girls for 15% off today. Yes, let's get into the race. It started on a wet track. It was rainy once again. Everyone decided to start on inner inners, intermediate tires. Um, so definitely a rain race. There was huge spray at the start and super low visibility. We'll get into this more, but it's interesting that as as Chessa mentioned earlier, there's a lot of strategy in the rain with tires because they have to decide when the track is going to get dry enough to switch back to slick tires or the regular soft, medium, and hard tires. So the teams were actually deferring to the drivers a lot on track conditions because it was really unclear when they should start switching to slicks. But everyone started switching from inners to mediums around the same time during the race. So that's definitely 
something something to watch out for as we go through it. And also, as Tressa mentioned earlier, there was no DRS enabled until about halfway through the race because it's not enabled in the rain. So some of the great passing we saw earlier on in the race was without DRS, which is awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. So just a few things on lap one. We saw a great start for Max and Checo. Pretty rough start from the Ferraris. Charles, who lost two positions immediately to both Checo and Lando and dropped to P4 from P2. Then, of course, the infamous Danny Rick crash. Well, I guess not crash, but hit. Um, hit Carlos on turn one, causing Carlos to spin out into the gravel and retire. Classified as a racing incident, as Sarah said. But I think Carlos sort of blamed Danny after the race, and Danny accepted the responsibility there. Yeah, I think he left. I think Carlos left Danny plenty of space. So I think I think it was Danny's fault. <laughs> We do. We should note, though, that Danny Rick did go over to the Ferrari hospitality suite to apologize to signs after the race. So that is super nice of him. I think a lot of drivers would not do that. Can you imagine Lewis and Max last year popping over to hospitality to apologize? So that that was really nice of him. Totally. It was so gutting. The entire like, everyone that was watching, like you could see the spectators on the TV we're just so upset. Like this was a huge race for Ferrari and to be out in like the first lap is pretty horrific. Two yeah. DNFs in a row that he hasn't made it past the third lap of the race. It's just so horrible. Heartbreaking. We'll break down some of this uh, race by team. So Chessa, do you want to take us through Ferrari? Yes, I will. Um, I feel like I have potentially jinxed Ferrari. I mean, I just have to stop saying <laughs> all of this stuff, but it was a brutal home race for them. The... The new power unit that they had fitted out for Carlos was sadly for nothing since, we, like we just heard, he spun out on the first lap. He basically said after the race, I was the unlucky guy that for someone's mistakes, I had to pay. It's how it is. So it's just so horrible for him. Like when you're a driver and you have your sights set on, you know, doing really well, getting a lot of points, like, you know, battling it out for for the championship, just to co- consistently DNF is is really frustrating. And yeah, and Danny kind of owned up for it to it, a painful one and obviously not the way I want to affect someone else's race, but that's how the sport goes. So not a great start from Charles, but he was up in the top three for most of the race. So towards the end of the race, he made the play to try to get fastest lap. So he pitted to get his soft tires and then he came out P4 behind Lando on lap 50, got past Lando and then... He was within DRS striking zone of Checo and he was really trying to make that lunge, but he just didn't have the pace and, and wasn't able to do it. And then on lap 54, so literally almost at the end, he he spun out, hit the wall, damaged his front wing. And so he had to go back into pit to, to fix that damage with only nine laps to go and he dropped all the way down to P9. So once he was back out, he was able to pick off a few people, Magnuson, Vettel, and Yuki to get to P6, but this was definitely not the race he wanted definitely not the race the Ferrari fans wanted. Some people are saying that this shows his inexperience. Not sure if that's totally fair, but on the other hand, we did see experience play out this weekend and the experienced drivers do really well. So I think tough conditions definitely will will test the driver. It was also really tough for, for him too. He had really bad porpoising during the race um, and he did just could not keep up with the Red Bull pace at all. As we were saying, in terms of Red Bull, they just dominated. This is the first one-two for them since 2016, back in the Danny Rick vintage days. Max was so dominant. He had like a 10 to 15 second gap to Checo in P2 for almost the whole race. He really just had no no challengers and was out there driving on his own. It was a grand slam for him. He 
qualified first, led every lap, got the fastest lap at the end, and finished first. Red Bull just executed everything so well. 2.2 and 2.3 second pit stops, which is back to their old super fast form. And like we were saying, this season we're seeing kind of more in the three-second range for a lot of these pit stops. Then Max lapped Lewis during the race, which truly was was something to behold. And the look on Toto's face, I just I can't even imagine. It was He looked he looked dead in the eyes. Poor Toto. Poor Toto. I know the thought of that saying those words last season, like Max lapped Lewis. It's insane. Checo also, as we said, did amazing during the sprint. He had bad luck during qualifying the rain and started the sprint in P7, but then got up to P3 and also drove a super flawless race and had um, a really great overtake of of Charles. At around lap 20 of the race, Checo just cruised past Charles to get into P2. The undercut had worked because his tires were already up to temperature and then Charles came out later with cold tires and Checo made it look so easy. This was before DRS was even enabled and the Red Bull just blasted past. So really both drivers were so cool under pressure in really tough conditions all weekend and this was so essential for them because now they are back in the fights for both constructors and for the drivers' championship. Alternatively, sure. who wants to tell us about Merck? <laughs> I will go for Mercedes. So my MVP Russell, as we said, great race for him. Never thought we'd call P4 for Mercedes a great outcome, but that's sort of what we're working with this year. Yeah, again, we, he started P11, made up seven spots in the end to end in P4. Some nice Russell Botas battling at some points. So. Uh, that was fun to see sort of at the end of the race. Botas couldn't get past George in the end, but really amazing to see. And George managed to come in P4 despite the fact that he said he had really bad back and kind of chest pain from how bad the porpoising is. We've been talking about this, watching how bad the bouncing is when you're driving almost 200 miles an hour. Like you're going to start having physical impacts of that. So that's super unfortunate. And I really hope that Mercedes can get some of these issues fixed for them ASAP because that must be so difficult to deal with, like trying to push the car when you're in physical pain from the bouncing. I think for Hamilton, this is a weekend to forget in his very esteemed long career. He that might be the understatement of of, of the <laughs> month. <laughs> Yeah. Finished P13. He was stuck in midfield traffic really the entire race. There was some stroll Hamilton fighting again. That seems to be a theme so far this season, which is just crazy to think. And then, as we mentioned, got lapped by by Max on lap 41. Yeah, it sort of just makes me wonder how Hamilton has either such a worse car than George or if George has just gotten a much better handle on it. Maybe it's a combination of both, but... I don't know. Hamilton at the end of the race said, I'm out of the championship for sure. There's no question about that. Oh, my God. It's hard to – I know. It's hard to see him coming back, but it's also so early in the season. I mean, I don't think he's wrong. I don't know. My my main takeaway from this race is – that we are still so early we thought this like ferrari dominance was sort of a sure thing but you know things things are getting exciting again i know a lot of people have said this but you really can never count lewis out you just can't so even though it looks bad you never know just and if you're wondering just look at the brazil race last year but one thing i'm taking that's such a good point i'm really wondering about the hamilton versus george situation and 
why Hamilton seems to be struggling so much more. I'm kind of thinking part of it might be the commentators noted during the race that in in the past, Mercedes has never in the past 10 years had to construct a car to be able to drive in dirty air in midfield traffic. And so like we're saying (laughs) at the front, there wasn't a ton of, of challenging for the front runners. So George, once he made up so many places, was kind of chilling up in the front, had a little battling with Botas at the end, but not too much. Whereas Lewis was stuck in this DRS train and all this midfield traffic. He couldn't get past Gasly for like 20 laps. So maybe it's just that the car, when it's in that midfield pack, is Mercedes has never been prepared for this before. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think also worth noting is they also had some bad strategy calls as a team and multiple bad pit stops. So it's not just the car. There was a slow stop for Hamilton. When Russell switched to mediums, they didn't do a front wing adjustment that they were supposed to. So I don't know. I feel like they're on the back foot so far, as we've said, but hopefully they need to get it together. I don't I don't foresee any any Mercedes redemption happening until they until they get into tip top condition. So we will see. Yeah. When your car is a disaster and you have two slow stops in one race, it's too much. Yeah. And just one other quick Hamilton news this week. He made a bid for Chelsea, joined by Serena Williams, Chelsea, the, the football team. Part of a big consortium led by the head of British Airways. He's actually an Arsenal fan, but he said, ultimately, I'm a sporting fan and he wants to help continue the diversity and inclusion charge that Chelsea have been leading. Max made a joke about that, too. He was like, aren't you an Arsenal fan? (laughs) It's actually so cool, though. I think of all the drivers, Hamilton has the most going on outside of like just the race weekends themselves. And I think he's doing so much awesome stuff for the for the sport F1, but also just sporting in general. So totally. He's such a leader off track. So McLaren, they also had an amazing weekend. Lando P3. This was his second year on podium and it was adorable to watch. Like when he finished P3, he was just so excited. Obviously he's a really strong driver in the wet as we saw last year, but also you can see him actually materialize his strengths and convert to points. So always good. And McLaren needed that after Danny had that awful first lap and and he dropped all the way down. So Dare I say, is, are we seeing that Lando is a better driver than Danny? I think so, um, but we'll have to see. Yeah, I think this is kind of – last season, it was first. It was Danny's first season. took a while to get up to speed with the car, but now it might just be that Lando is a better driver. So Haas, Magnussen finished in the points, but it was definitely disappointing after how high up they were in some of the practices and how high up he started in the sprint. So – I think definitely relatively disappointing. Also a really tough race for Mick. He spun out the first first lap, and then he also spun out later in the race. He finished P17 and is now the only driver on the grid without points. And I think he's super talented, so I think he can definitely pull it together. But hopefully he can do it soon and take advantage of this car while it's so much better than than the Haas car of, of a couple years We also have to mention a a bit of news this week about the dynamics between Haas and Ferrari. As we've talked about a lot, Haas has a Ferrari power unit, but in addition, it also takes a lot of other parts from Ferrari and nothing formal has been filed, but three other teams are reportedly concerned and have kind of expressed this to the FIA. They think there might be a little bit too close of collaboration there. Some team principals are concerned more generally about the rules that allow customer teams to take so much of a top team stuff, the um, Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari customer teams. And Gunther, of course, was like, cool, no problem. The FAA can drop in whatever they want to. No big deal. (laughs) Can we also add that I feel like this investigation is being led by Toto? So... (laughs) 
um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, is he, obviously, he's salty. He's just trying to. Maybe I'm I'm reading into it, but I think everything will be fine. I think Haas is just doing well, and everyone's a little bit surprised. So they're like, oh, obviously something must be there, but they're probably just having a really good season. Like everything seems to be going well for them. So I don't know why we have to do Gunther dirty like that. <laughs> so Alpha Tauri also had a great weekend. They brought a big floor upgrade, and Yuki had a phenomenal race. He was on fire. The, the footage and the and the angles of watching him pass was just so beautiful, like textbook F1, F1 driving from him. Gasly, as we mentioned, spent a lot of time defending against, defending against Hamilton, and he had a great drive as well. So good for him. I think this was really nice for them. This was their home race weekend. So we're happy that they had a good weekend. Okay, well, after Alpha Tauri, I have to mention Alfa Romeo and Botas. They also brought... Um, some big upgrades to the car this weekend, and it really showed off. Botas finished in P5. I'm so happy for him. He really deserved this. It was tough for Joe. He had a retirement early on in the race, and he had been doing so well earlier on in the weekend, but amazing from Botas and still super promising for the team. There was some great for a while, a little bit farther back in the pack. Russell and Botas were, were battling it out a little, and then towards the end, Botas was trying to make a move to pass Russell for P4, which he wasn't able to get done. But still, the fact he's up there fighting for P4 with a Mercedes is is incredible. Fighting for P4 specifically with the person who took his seat at Mercedes. So good for him. <laughs> and he's, he's just thriving. Stick yes. it to the man. We love him. <laughs> so Aston Martin, as we have mentioned, they have had no points so far this season. And Vettel had said prior to this weekend that whether he stays with them depends on how things go i.e. can they get it together so it was great to see some redemption for them this weekend both drivers finished in the points the first of the season which is awesome and every team now has scored some points this season which is awesome so other other two teams really quick alpine alonso sadly had to retire his retire right away because his side pod practically fell off he had like a massive hole in the car we could see the guts we could see everything this was from when mick hit him right at the beginning and then, Chesso was so excited. Chesso was like, we're getting to see the guts of a Formula One car. <laughs> <laughs> and then Akon almost had a crash too into Hamilton in the pit lane and got a five second time penalty. So he didn't end the, the race very high up either. So so Williams, no points for them this weekend, sadly. They literally had part of Albon's car explode. So just tough. One uh, one fun fact about Williams right now is some of the cars are struggling with being overweight and they're trying to take some weight off the cars. And so Williams has taken some paint off the car, like off the livery to try to make the car lighter. So that's just where Williams that's is what they're at dealing right now. with. <laughs> that's what they're, they're not dealing with winning. They're dealing with painting their car and unpainting it. <laughs> the post-race interviews at this race were awesome. Everyone was really happy. Max Checo and Lando were thrilled in good spirits. So good race for them. So as we wrap up final thoughts for for the race, as you all know, we love to do our radio of the week. Um, Who wants to deliver this one, girls? I think Tiggy should deliver it. (laughs) So Toto hops on at the end instead of the race engineer and goes, Lewis, hi, I'm sorry for what you've needed to drive today. I know this is undrivable. This was a terrible race. (laughs) Really tough. Really (laughs) tough. So as we mentioned, some final thoughts. Ferrari domination this year is no sure thing. This race, I think, was a good reminder how early we are in the season and that anything can happen. Um, So with that, let's go through where this leaves us in the standings. Chessa, do you want to hit the driver's championship? 
So we have Charles with 86 points, um, Max with 59. Charles's lead to lead in the in the driver's championship has been cut to just 27 points ahead of Max. And after this one weekend where Max got maximum points out of the weekend, he moved from sixth in the driver's championship to second. So again, about how things can change really quickly. Wow. Awesome point. Checo is at 54 points. Then we have George at 49, Carlos at 38, Lando at 35, Lewis at 28. Okay, actually, I thought th- for whatever reason thought he would be lower, but Lewis at 28 and then Botas at 24. So what if Botas can get ahead of Lewis in an offer? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Sarah, give us the TLDR and the constructors before we wrap up. So Constructors is much closer now. As as Tiki mentioned, every team has now scored at least one point this season, which is exciting. Ferrari is still in first with 124 points, but Red Bull is close behind them with 113 points. Mercedes is hanging in there in third with 77, then McLaren with 46, and Alfa Romeo with 25. And with that, we will leave you all. We hope you all had an awesome weekend and enjoyed watching the race. And stay tuned next week for an episode on a special topic and a preview for Miami, our first race in the U.S. this year.